Good morning. Oh, the, the scripture reading today, I'm just going to say it's taken from the book of Proverbs. There are several wise sayings that I will be reading today. And if you would like to follow along, you can follow along in the bulletin on page 4, 5, and 6, I believe. Beginning with Proverbs chapter 9. Whoever corrects a mocker invites insults. Whoever rebukes the wicked incurs abuse. Do not rebuke mockers or they will hate you. Rebuke the wise and they will love you. Whoever conceals hatred with lying lips and spreads slander is a fool. The prudent keep their knowledge to themselves, but a fool's heart blurts out folly. A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. The heart of the righteous weighs its answers, but the mouth of the wicked gushes evil. Whoever would foster love covers over an offense, but whoever repeats the matter separates close friends. Starting a quarrel is like breaching a dam, so drop the matter Before a dispute breaks out, the one who has knowledge uses words with restraint, and whoever has understanding is even-tempered. Fools find no pleasure in understanding, but delight in airing their own opinions. The words of a gossip are like choice morsels. They go down to the inmost parts. To answer before listening... That is folly and shame. For the fruit of their mouth, from from the fruit of their mouth of a person's stomach is um, from the fruit of their mouth, a person's stomach is filled. With the harvest of their lips, they are satisfied. The tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. It is a trap to dedicate something rashly, and only later to consider one's vows. An honest answer is like a kiss on the lips. Through patience, a ruler can be persuaded, and a gentle tongue can break a bone. Like one who takes away a garment on a cold day, or like vinegar poured on a wound, is one who sings songs to a heavy heart. Without wood, a fire goes out. Without a gossip, a quarrel dies down. Enemies disguise themselves with their lips, but in their hearts they harbor deceit. A lying tongue hates those who it hurts, and a flattering mouth works ruin. Better is open rebuke than hidden love. It's the word of the Lord. Last week, we started a new series on uh, a study of the book of Proverbs on the topic of wisdom, a little introduction last week, and today we're looking at our first topic, first application of wisdom that we find in the book of Proverbs, and it's related to our words, our speech. How do we speak? How do we communicate with one another? 
And don't we know we need prayer for this, don't we? Let's pray. God, we are praying for your spirit to come now and give us all the help that we need to hear your word, that we would use words more wisely. We need your help. We thank you in advance that you will give us help. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. I love you. I hate you. I'm dying. I'm pregnant. I'm pregnant. You're so ugly. I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you. You're fired. Thank you. Thank you so much. I forgive you. I'll never forgive you. Luke, I am your father. I'm sorry I was wrong. I'm sorry there's nothing more we can do. You complete me. (laughs) Words are powerful, aren't they? Maybe you've heard someone say things like these phrases to you. Maybe you have spoken them yourself. Words are powerful. Words actually last forever. They really do. Once you've spoken them, you can't take them back. And it's important, of course, for us to remind ourselves of this for starters, especially because we live in a time when so much communication happens through emails and text messages and social media. It's almost easier than ever. In the history of humanity, am I being dramatic here, easier than ever to be careless with our words, to think they don't matter, or to think that we can just get by with sloppy words. While the truth is, the right words at the right time to the right person, or the wrong words at the wrong time to the wrong person, really can change a person's life. It really can. And this is what Proverbs 18, verse 21 is getting at when it said, and you heard it before, from the fruit of their mouth, a person's stomach is filled with the harvest of their lips. They are satisfied. The tongue has the power of life and death. And those who love it will eat its fruit. Words have the power of life. Words have the power of death. They can kill. They can give life. They can feed a person's soul like food. And so... If we can just start to grasp the importance of our words, maybe then we'll start to cry out, I need to learn how to use them. I need wisdom for my words. Good news is that the book of Proverbs gives us a lot of wisdom for our speech, our mouths, our tongues. In fact, of all the different ways Proverbs offers wisdom in all different areas of life, It talks about our words more than any other area of life. Some estimate that there are over 90 Proverbs that touch on this topic alone. Don't worry, we're not looking at 90, even though it might have felt like we read all 90. No, just looking at a few. Last week, we introduced this study of Proverbs saying that wisdom isn't intelligence. It's not knowledge. It's not the same thing as moral goodness. Wisdom, rather. What is wisdom? It's the ability to understand how life really works and then 
to apply this understanding to real life, to understand how words and communication really do work, how they affect people, how they affect us, how they build relationships, how they break down relationships, how they make life flourish, how they make life wither, to understand that and then to know how to apply it. So the next time you open your mouth, maybe in the next few minutes, and use words to give life or to give death. Let's talk about it. Let's look at it. Four quick different ways wisdom shapes our words. Four different kinds of wise speech. A whole bunch more than just four. We're going to look at four real quickly. Number one, self-controlled words. Self-controlled words. Proverbs 17, verse 27 The one who has knowledge uses words with restraint. And whoever has understanding is even tempered. Proverbs 13, 3, those who guard their lips preserve their lives. That sounds dramatic. You guard your lips to preserve your life. But those who speak rashly come to ruins. A simple idea here, of course, is that we need to exercise And learn to exercise self-control, inner restraint, prudence in our speech. I mean, friends, it kind of boils down to this real simply. Do you think before you speak? Or maybe one step back, do you even know that you can? Our words should be few. Our words should be carefully Chosen. It doesn't mean, of course, that there isn't a place for passionate words, even at times angry words, when that is just and right. It doesn't mean that you should only speak in slow-mo all the time, either. We have different personalities. There are an array of situations in life. But if you never find yourself holding back something that you want to say, where where you actually stop yourself in a split second and you say to yourself, hmm, maybe I shouldn't say that, or maybe I should save that for another time, then you're probably a rash speaker, or in the words of the Proverbs, a foolish speaker. Someone that's just blurting out whatever we think and whatever we feel. Proverbs warns us about speaking without ever holding back. Different versions of this kind of foolishness. Of course, there's the bad listener that we often are. Proverbs 18, verse 13. To answer before listening is folly and shame. James chapter 1 picks this up, of course, in verse 19, where we're counseled to be quick to listen and slow to speak. Uh, Are you someone that actually uh, deliberately tries to cultivate a habit of not speaking too quickly, of actually hearing people and then hearing them again, of taking in more of other people's words and perspectives and wisdom and knowledge and emotions before you actually start to rattle off about your own Are you someone that's always interrupting people? Uh, Proverbs invites us to realize if you're interrupting people, did you know that you might have just robbed yourself of the very words that you might have needed to hear? The way that God wanted to speak to you through another person. 
Are you always finishing other people's sentences for them? Just this past week, was at a, uh, a meeting in Houston and found myself trying to catch up with a colleague that I hadn't seen in a long time. And for some weird reason, he was sharing about his life in a new city he moved into. And I found myself interrupting him. He was almost painfully trying to finish his sentence. And I almost couldn't control myself, was just walking right all over his sentence, sharing my thought that I had carefully formulated and was so eager to share. Unkind, foolish. There's the overly opinionated person. Proverbs 18, verse 2, Fools find no pleasure in understanding, but delight in airing their own opinions. Are you someone that insists on sharing your opinions all the time, mostly because you're so sure that you're right? One version of this I'm coming to realize is is long-windedness. You may not think that you're opinionated, but you find yourself always talking and constantly talking. Uh, almost, it's, it can be at least an extension of some self-importance. What I have to say really is that important, so let me keep on saying it. A person with no filter, Proverbs 12, verse 23. The prudent keep their knowledge to themselves, but a fool's heart blurts out folly. You're someone that doesn't know how to rein in your words. The razor-tongued person, Proverbs 12, now verse 18. Reckless words pierce like a sword, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. And we almost need to let that image, that word picture kind of come alive as we read it. Reckless words pierce like a sword where you can kind of picture this knife or razor blades coming out of your mouth and just hitting people in the face and the heart and the life as you speak unkind, rash, unfiltered, unchecked words that are just pummeling them, causing their souls to bleed. Words don't have to be intentionally evil to be deadly, just simply careless. But the reverse is true as well. The tongue of the wise, thoughtful, kind, gracious, refreshing words can absolutely bring healing. The bottom line here, do you control your words or do your words control you? Self-controlling words. Number two, truth-telling words. Truth-telling words. Proverbs 24, verse 26. For example, an honest answer is like a kiss on the lips. What's this getting at? It's talking about speaking directly with people. And that speaking honestly and forthrightly with people, we're being told, will produce the best outcomes in your relationships even when you're not so sure that you want to be honest. This phrase here, kiss on the lips, it's not an expression of romance. Don't worry. In the ancient world, a kiss was an expression of affection, but also of respect. In other words, tell the truth as a way of showing that person respect. You see, because when we lie or deceive or twist the truth, we're handling 
our friends, our family with kid gloves as if they can't take it. But we can. Patronizing people, you see. Dishonoring the image of God and other people. You're not treating people as those who have the right to know the truth and the ability to choose how they're going to respond for themselves. As if you need to choose for them. They can't handle this. Let me bend it a little bit. Let me manipulate the truth a little bit for them. Deceptive speech. Even truth-avoiding speech. Are you always kind of avoiding hard conversations? Are you always sort of flattering people just so that you don't have to tell the truth about who they really are? Buttering them up. This sort of thing destroys our relationships. We've experienced this. When one day you realize you've been interacting sort of behind masks and not really as real people, deeply flawed, but deeply accepted and loved. Isn't that the kind of relationship we really do want? So we heard also in chapter 27, verse 5, better is open rebuke than hidden love. This encouragement to actually speak truth to one another. Yes, respectfully. Yes, joyfully. Yes, kindly, compassionately, non-judgmentally. But to do it, I I needed to hear Paula say to me yesterday, hey, hey, why did you just roll your eyes when you said that to me? I I needed that open challenge. And I wish I had responded better in that moment. You know, better is open rebuke than hidden love. And that doesn't mean that it's easy to know how to challenge people with tough love. When do you do it? How do you do it? When do you keep silent? This is what Proverbs 9, verses 7 and 8 is getting at here. Whoever corrects a mocker invites insults. Whoever rebukes the wicked incurs abuse. Do not rebuke mockers or they will hate you. Rebuke the wise and they will love you. It sounds like don't do it. Right? You're just going to get eaten alive. Well, what this proverb is doing, this is where wisdom is, is it's managing expectations. Look, if you're going to, even with all the best of intentions and love, challenge a person on some poor choice they're making or some mess of life that they're making for another person, don't be surprised if they don't take it well. You almost don't need the Bible to tell you that. But you do, because how often... Do we just get annoyed or even more angry when someone doesn't take it well? Here's the Bible, the Word of God, supernaturally telling you, expect it. Expect it. But secondly, also, it's reminding us that people actually have to be ready to listen to really receive your words. So there's an issue of timing. That sometimes it's pointless in a given moment to try to argue or persuade someone who doesn't actually at that point want to listen at all. Oh, there's some wisdom for us too. To not be knocking your head against a wall or trying to change someone's mind about something if they don't want to change. It doesn't mean you give up. It just means it might not be the right time or you might not be the right person. Truth-telling words. Number three, gentle words. Gentle words. Proverbs 15, verse 1, a gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. 
And you know the situation. Maybe you're in the middle of a disagreement or an argument and it's really amped up. Maybe tensions are high. How are you going to respond? What's going to happen if you respond with harshness or angry words of your own? It's going to escalate. You know that. It's going to stir up more anger. But here this word of wisdom is reminding us, look, sometimes if you slip in with an unexpected word of gentleness in an environment of aggression, you might win a hearing like you never would have expected. Responding with gentleness diffuses tension and anger. Proverbs is not talking about just being mild-mannered or being flimsy or weak or feathery in the moment of crisis or conflict. I mean, listen to how Proverbs 25 verse 15 puts it. Through patience, a ruler can be persuaded and a gentle tongue can break a bone. Mm. Changing the mind of a king. How do you do that? Breaking a bone. How do you do that? With a gentle word. A strong but gentle and patient word, which has surprising power. Some of us have been trying to persuade people around us, maybe rightly so, change their minds, but the only tool you've got in your toolbox is more volume and more force. That's how you get change, after all, isn't it? That's how you persuade people. Or maybe finer-tuned logic, and you pummel them (laughs) with reason. Another strong, angry fist, sometimes passive-aggressively. I don't know who it is in your life where you're seeing this struggle with your boss, maybe with your child, maybe with a friend who's in a bad place. What can this look like? To believe that sometimes your words have the most power when spoken patiently and gently. I know that was true for me. Back in college, sort of screwing up life and wandering around and making bad choices and walking far from God. And my sister, who quietly persevered in the distance, didn't nag me at all. Every now and then would come in and nudge me a little bit to seek God to get back on track, to know how much he loves me. I'd ignore her. She's an older sister. That's what I'm supposed to do, right? Until one day I do remember she came in. Well, she didn't come in. A letter came in from her. Kind words. Just uh, overflowing with love kinds of words and yet very direct. Gentle and patient, but direct words. You got to make a choice. How are you going to live? For whom are you going to live? Where does God fit into it all? It was a small thing from her. It was a patient and gentle thing from her. But to this day, I see it as a major thing that God used to turn me around my freshman year in college. Get my life back on track. Crack open my heart that had been hardened. Back to the amazing grace of God. A little note, gentle and patient. Caring. Motivated by love. Gentle words, truth-telling words, self-control words. Lastly, well-timed words. 
This final category, just want to talk briefly about the way that the Proverbs reminds us to be sensitive to situations and sensitive to people's needs. I mean, have you ever been just in the dumps and someone comes around to you and just says, hey, be happy. Everything's going to be all right. And you just want to punch them in the face. And what they're saying is not untrue. And what they're saying is probably coming from the right place, good intentions, care for you, maybe a deep, dear friend that's doing their best to cheer you up. But listen to Proverbs 25, verse 20. Like one who takes away a garment on a cold day, burr, or like vinegar poured on a wound is one who sings songs to a heavy heart. So good. When you're relating to someone that has a heavy heart in the dumps, in a pit, in a place of fear or in a place of nerves, sometimes the best thing that you can do is to sit with them and to sit with them. The ministry of silence, the ministry of presence. Sometimes it's not to try to pull them out and to say, hey, everything's going to be all right. Sing it with me. Happy, happy. Right? But instead, to say, I know how unhappy you really are. And it really stinks, doesn't it? And in due time, to nudge them, yes, there's a place for that. To pull them out of the pit. To gently walk them into the joy and the renewal that we find in the gospel of grace and the promises of God. Yes! But in that moment... Timing matters. Thinking about the other person, tailoring what we say, considering who they are and what their situations are. That out of love, sometimes you choose not to say things rather than simply to say things. Do you ever stop from saying something simply because it's not the right time? The Bible is telling us that we should. Well-timed words, self-controlled words, gentle words... Gracious words, kind words, non-gossiping words. The Proverbs touches on a lot of these different things. It just feels like this impossible calling for perfect use of words. How do we do it? How do we change our words, grow in wisdom? Let me close with this quickly. Number one, you got to love your words. Love your words. We opened with Proverbs 18. We'll close with the same verse. The tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Love your words, meaning caring about them deeply, nurturing them, carefully stewarding your words. Those who do this, we're told, will enjoy the tongue's power to give life. This is good news, that we can actually grow in our words, that we actually can grow in wisdom in how we use words if we just slow down enough and take time to cultivate and nurture the discipline of our speech. Love your words. Secondly, hear his words. See, changing our words from wise words to foolish words, it's not just a matter of willpower. It's not just a matter of grit. It's not just a matter of zipping up your lips or forcing yourself to speak. Rather, we got to go where Jesus goes. In Luke 6, he reminds us that it's out of the overflow of the heart that our mouths speak. Do you know you never 
utter with your mouths words that aren't already in your hearts. There's a convicting truth. Sour words spewing out, venomous words coming out. Where did it come from? Out here? A bad day? A bad childhood? Maybe influences. At the end of the day, Jesus says it came from one place right in here. But the same thing is true too. Gracious words, kind words, life-giving words. Where do they come from? Falsified words that change right here at the tip of your lips? No. It comes from a changed heart. A changed heart. What does your heart hear most? If we could print out a transcript of all the words that bounce around in your heart and in your mind, what would we find in that printout? What words are you most hearing in your soul? Because here's the bottom line. If we want to speak life-giving words, if we want to speak wise words to others, then we need to hear life-giving words from God. And he does speak them to you, doesn't he? Those who have ears, let them hear. When God sings over you, you are my beloved, in whom I am well pleased. When he says, I have taken your sin and cast them as far as the east is from the west and I remember them no more. The God who says, you are my son, you are my daughter. That's enough for me, is it for you? A God who says, well done, good and faithful servant. And you say, no, no, I'm not doing well enough. And he says, no, no, well done. And you say, no, there must be more that I could do. And he says, no, well done. Stop. Come, all you who are weak and weary. And I will give you rest. Do you know a God like that? Do you hear words like that? A God whose heart of love and forgiveness and grace is so overflowing, He doesn't just say it, He sings it over you. Zephaniah, a God who says, I rejoice over you with loud singing. Who's a God like that? A Savior Like that, Jesus, who took the judgment for every foolish word you spoke, for every sword that's come out of your mouth and pierced the heart of another person, he took it and spun it back upon himself, letting it pierce his own heart, his own soul, as he bore the judgment of hell on the cross for you and me. For our rash words, our deceptive words, our gossiping words, our self-centered words, Jesus who took what we deserved and then gave us what we don't deserve, words that need to change our lives, words where he says, it is finished. All the punishment for all our sin and all our foolishness and all that we deserved, it is finished. I've taken it in your place. Do you hear me? And if you do, you start to speak differently. When you hear how God didn't lash out at you but offered measured words, that you start to slow down a little bit more before you lash out at others. 
That when you start to hear that God spoke to you honestly and how it actually, yeah, it hurt, but it gave you life, you're emboldened to do the same with others and to speak honestly. Where you hear how God speaks to you with gentleness, sometimes firmness, yes, sometimes very directly, but with gentleness and patience, knowing he could have pummeled you, but he took measured steps, only giving you what you could handle at a time. And you start to say, my goodness, I want to speak like that. I want to speak like him. So what have you heard your God say to you lately? Let his words change your words. And let's together, individually and as a community, learn to speak more wisely. Let's pray. God, we're asking that you would come and give us grace to have renewed and even in maybe some of our cases, revolutionized mouths that speak words that give life, that change lives, that allow you, Holy Spirit, to be our ghostwriter, editing us, changing how we communicate. Jesus, uh, please do this in us. But most of all, help us to know how deep the Father's love is for us. Help us to hear it from you. That our hearts might be changed, that in turn our words might also be changed. We ask this for our good, but for your glory too. In Christ's name, amen. Let's stand and let's sing.